Good morning, MCC. Good to be here with you this morning, but it's, uh, I'm here to introduce the person who's going to make a difference in your life today as he gives God's word to you. This young man, Jesse, was born into this church, raised in this church, graduated from Central High School in 2000, went on to Bible College down in Southern California, on into the ministry from there, and has been in California, basically Northern California, for the last uh, many years, um, doing worship ministry in a church that has grown and, and had a great impact uh, in Northern California. Uh, and we have been excited to watch what has happened happened in his life, and he and his wife, Joanna, had just made a decision, uh, and that decision is that they have resigned from the church down there as worship pastor, and they're looking to come to Oregon, back home. He's finally seen the light. <laughs> And they're looking for a church here in the valley where he can become senior pastor. And so we're just so excited. Uh, and we have been excited all this time watching his family grow. He has two children, Reese and Iris, and they're just delights to us. And, and they're up here for just a short stay. And then they'll be back down there to finish uh, the, their ministry. And then on to Oregon when they find a church. And I just want you to know, and I want to introduce to you, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Wake up, wake Good morning. 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 Wake up, wake Good morning, Monmouth Christian Church. How are you? Man, I am so glad to be with you, those of you in the room, those of you join us online, and thanks, Dad. I love you too. Thanks for not telling too many embarrassing stories. There's enough people on there who know, so thank you. Um, I am so incredibly grateful to be here today with you. I did grow up. Um, I grew up actually in the parsonage next to the church that was located just a little ways away. And I remember when the church moved here and as we've grown and watched and so many people watching online, including some of those in the room, I can point at you. You may have even changed my diapers, so I'm sorry for that. I'm so grateful, though. I've been in ministry for quite a few years, and this place, Mammoth Christian Church, has been foundational to my ministry. And for those of you who have been sowing into this ministry year after year after year, thank you. Thank you. You're impacting lives in Cambodia. You're impacting lives in the Bay Area. You're affecting lives all over, and you don't even know all that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for joining us online, and thank you for being in the room. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Pastor Sean that I even get to do this. Um, this will be a little bit interactive, so I'm gonna ask that you engage. And so whether you're sitting on your couch online right now or you're in the room, if you feel like saying amen, you can say amen. Let's just try that out real quick. Ready? Amen. amen. That means you agree with something. And for my luck, there may be some things you don't agree with and some things you don't like. And for those of you at line, the beauty is uh, you can't throw anything at me. You can't hurt me. There are people in the room for that. <laughs> I want to ask you a question, though. 
How are you doing spiritually? Have you ever been asked that? How are you doing spiritually? You may have sounded like, how is your walk with the Lord going? Somebody says, how are you doing spiritually? How do you even answer that? How do you know what you're doing spiritually or how you're doing spiritually? But it's an important question to have asked of you because being unaware of how we're doing spiritually can mean that we're going around each day acting kind, helpful, and nice. But we miss out on something so much more profound, real, what I believe is transformation. At our church in Northern California, we have a saying, it's, the church is called Northgate. We have a saying, and it's that, it's this, there's nothing so broken that God cannot mend it. There is nothing so lost that God cannot find it. And there is nothing so dead that God cannot resurrect it. It's the truth. God is in the business of transformation. He's not interested in making us moral people or more pleasant people. He's interested in transform people that radically change those around him with his love. But how do we answer this question? How are we doing spiritually? There was a famous theologian and he was asked this question and he gave a very simple answer and I love it. and I refer to it often and he says this. He says, well, I guess I know I'm doing well spiritually or in my relationship with God when I'm a little more patient with my kids. <laughs> when I'm a little bit kinder to my wife and when I have more love for people. And I realize spiritually I'm not doing great when those things are the opposite, when I have a little less love, a little less kindness, and a little less patience. And we're going to talk about this today. And we're going to read a little story from the Gospel of Mark. And I want to give you a little bit of background on what's happening in this story in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be reading from Mark 11. So if you have your Bibles with you right now, you can open those up. If you're watching online, you're near a computer, I'm sure of it. You can Google online Bible. There's a Bible app. There's lots of different ways. But Mark 11 is where we're going. And so I'm going to kind of set this up and give you a second to get there and find it. Jesus had become quite a famous rabbi by this point. There, the, the stories of his miracles, the stories of all the amazing things that he had done had been flown throughout all of the area and people knew about all of these things, especially about the day he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And so Jesus comes into the city and we're gonna be reading in Mark 11, 12 through 14 and then a little bit more. But what happened is he comes into the city and they lay down palms in the street and he's riding a donkey and they put their jackets on the ground and they're laying it out triumphantly remembering that the King of Kings was coming into this place. And they were so excited for it. And, and, and as a church, we celebrate this. And if you know what it is, it's called Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. And so this story takes place a little bit after that. Here in verse 12, it says this. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not their season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. We're going to stop there for a minute. Every year before Easter, I make it a tradition to read one of the gospel stories. I want to read the gospel story, not just the Passion Week where he comes in triumphantly and then is crucified. I want to read the whole gospel. So I do that. And have you ever been reading the Bible and you read something and you go, whoa, 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 wait a second. What in the world is happening here? 
why does Jesus curse a fig tree? And what is that even? Okay, it's got to be important, but why? And so I began to do a little bit of study, a little bit of research on this. And I began to realize that fig trees were really common in the area. Quite often trees would be off of the path and you would, you would see them. And without any context of the story, you can read it and think that Jesus was just mad at this fig tree. Jesus was mad at the fig tree and like a stubborn little child, he cursed it, right? Man, it didn't have any fruit. Curse you tree. But that's not what it is. That's not why the story's in the gospel. You see, the Bible's association with fig trees goes back to the very beginning. In Genesis, Adam and Eve were in the garden and then they sinned. And then they realized they were naked in the garden. And God was there and they covered themselves with what? Fig leaves. Fig leaves. The presence of a fruitful fig tree was considered to be a symbol of blessing and prosperity to the nation of Israel. Likewise, the absence or death of a fig tree would symbolize judgment and rejection. On fig trees, this is really interesting. Quite often, there's so many trees around here, right? The leaves come in and then comes in the fruit, right? The leaves come in and then comes in the fruit. With a fig tree, it's actually the opposite. A fig tree's fruit comes in first and then the leaves. And so if Jesus was walking down the path and he sees a tree, a fig tree with leaves on it, it'd be easy to assume that there would be fruit there. So they walk all the way off the path and they get to this tree and then there's no what? No fruit. No fruit. Only, and wait for it, the appearance of fruit. So Jesus curses the fig tree, which is both symbolic and actual. And we'll get into that in a minute. But let's read what happens to the tree. And this is going to be in Mark 11, 19 through 25. So we're going to start in verse 19 here. It says, when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So they come back the next day and they're walking by this fig tree, the fig tree that all of the disciples heard that Jesus cursed. And what happens? It's not just a little dead. It is withered from the roots. It is totally, totally dead. Just because Jesus cursed it. There's a story of a, 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 a young family. And there's a dad who gets their kids ready for school every day because mom goes to, to work just a little bit early. So it's dad's job to get the toothbrush and the bathroom and the shoes on and out the door and into school. And then one day dad has to work just a little bit early. He has to go into work early so then it becomes mom's turn. So dad explains to mom, it's gonna be very easy. Don't worry, they have a routine. They know what they're doing. You've got this. It's gonna be completely okay. And if you have had kids or been around kids and you're trying to get them ready to get out the door, you know that these statements come all the time. Has everyone gone to the bathroom? Has everyone gone to the bathroom? Where are your shoes? <laughs> Why are you lying naked on the floor? We've got to go. 
it happens. It happens all the time. So in this day, the dad had told the mom, don't worry, it's going to be just fine. And mom is sitting there and the kids are not doing anything that she's asking and they're not getting ready. And I'm sure as a parent, that's never happened to you because you're a perfect parent if you've been there. But this mom, she was having a hard time. And so she gave them the look. You know the look that moms give? My mom used to give me the look and say this, you're skating on thin ice, mister. And I knew if I took one more bad step, it was going to be consequences. Mom gave him the look and she looked at them and said, she said this, she goes, guys, what's the deal? Why aren't you getting ready? Dad says you do this every day for him, no problem. You do this all the time. And yet for me, you're not doing it at all. What is going on? And she's mad. And one of the little ones walks up to her and says this. She just goes, it's because dad brings the thunder, mom. Dad brings the thunder. And he just walks off. Now, some of you dads may bring the thunder, but I very, very doubt, very much doubt that you could say something like that and cause a tree to wither. Jesus could literally speak and it would raise the dead. It would heal the sick, bless a stranger, and then even cause a tree to die. And so let's just pause here for a second. Just pause because Jesus speaks and something happens. Some of us are wandering around, waiting, asking God to speak, but we're actually never listening, never waiting on an answer. And with prayer, we're talking to the almighty God. And then when we're done praying, we just move on. And with one word, you could be talking to God and then see a miracle if you just listen and wait. Jesus says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And that's a whole other sermon. But my main point is this. The story of the fig tree is in the gospel, not to show Jesus's power. I mean, killing a fig tree is cool, I guess, <laughs> with your words, but how about raising somebody from the dead? It's not about his power. This story isn't in here to show that Jesus even controls nature. It's not about his power. It's a symbolic story for the nation of Israel, and it relates directly to you and me today. You see, the religious elite at the time, they looked on the outside like everything was good and they did everything that God could ask for, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and so many more. But in their hearts was jealousy, rage, ego, control, and more. And they did what they believed God asked of them, but it bore no fruit. Like the fig tree out in the field, it looked like they were doing everything right. But if you got up close to them, you recognized they were not bearing any fruit. They were not loving those around him. They were not caring for the sick or the lame. They were not serving the outcast or caring for the widows or orphans in a way that pleased God. Yet they believed with all of their hearts that they were doing what God was wanting. And yet they missed it. And it made Jesus mad. That's the same with us. We can look on the outside. You've heard this before. You know, Instagram is interesting, right? Because you don't know what somebody's real life looks like. You just know what their Instagram life looks like. We can look on the outside like we've got it all together, but inside is jealousy and rage and so much more. And we've only covered ourselves with fig leaves, hoping that no one will notice if they get too close. There's a period between the Old Testament and the New Testament where there's 400 years of silence. And theologians talk about it like this, the 400 years of silence. And that was because God had not sent a prophet since the Old Testament into the New Testament. 
He'd not sent somebody to communicate with them. He had been blanketly gone from them. And the people were desperate. They needed a Messiah. And so there came this group, the Pharisees, who started very earnestly to try and do something different. They believed that the reason that God was not talking to the people of Israel was because the people of Israel were not holy. They were not following the commandments. They were not doing what God had asked of them. So what happened? They set up a system of rules and laws to keep themselves in check. And they started with the intention that they would hear from God. If we can just make ourselves more holy, then guess what? We're going to hear from God and everything's going to be okay. He's going to bring us a Messiah. But holiness on its own, without the intention of blessing others with the love that is growing inside our hearts, that's not a pursuit of holiness. That's piety or self-righteousness. And holiness and purity are excellent values to hold, but our own piety must never get in the way of the message of Jesus Christ, a message of love, hope, peace, and grace. But love, so powerful. You know the wise words from the famous prophet Huey Lewis and his news team. Do you know this? It's the power of love. It's the power of love. It changes everything. Love from God, it transforms us from the inside out. We can look like we have it all together. We can have our quiet times, our time with the Lord. We can attend church and be nice people. And maybe if you're like me, you've found yourself a bit empty sometimes. Maybe you're sitting at home right now thinking, man, I wish, I wish there was something different in my soul. I wish there was something different in my spirit. That I look okay on the outside. I'm put, keeping it all together. But with COVID, I don't have to show people the hard things that happen in my heart. I don't have to show people how much anxiety I have. I don't have to share with people how much stress I have figuring out the finances and so much more. We can kind of shield ourselves from that, can't we? Sometimes what's going on in the inside of our hearts and what's going on in the inside of my heart, it's ugly. It's bad. And then comes this shame and guilt. And because you feel shame and guilt, which are never from God, by the way, never, you stop doing the things that you know are going to bring you closer to God. You stop reading the scriptures. You stop praying. You stop spending time. And I'm only saying this because I know this personally. I'm a pastor and I have been for a very long time. And I grew up a pastor's kid and I know how this thing works. And I was, there's been plenty of times, even recently, where I'm working so diligently hard for the church. I'm doing a good work. People are coming to know Jesus and it's so, so good. But if you got close to me, those fig leaves were covering no fruit. And you know how I know? It's because I was a little less patient with my kids. I was a little less caring to my wife. And I didn't really love the people around me. I looked like I had it all together in so many different times and have, and I know that you know exactly what I'm talking about because we've all walked this path. We think we have it together and everybody sees it. And then we get looked at on the inside and go, ooh, that's ugly. I needed God and have needed many times God to transform me from the inside out with his love. But how, how do we do it? How do we make sure that we're not just going through the motions, but we're allowing God to speak into our lives, letting him transform us? 
There's a story of Dr. Wayne Grudem. Him and 12 other biblical scholars got together and were establishing a brand new uh, understanding of the scriptures or a brand new translation of the scriptures. And they were working nine, 10 hour days every day trying to figure out the tricky passages and just the right words to put in this translation. And this group of individuals every day would then, at the end, they'd go out for dinner and they'd still talk theology more. And so they began to stay up late. And Dr. Grudem, he had this pattern of praying every morning where he would take time to pray every morning. And he believed it centered himself and and set himself right with God. And then what happened is he got a little more tired. So he woke up a little bit later and then a little less time for prayer. But he was doing God's work. He was translating the Bible Like, what could actually go wrong with that? You're talking about God all day. But for Dr. Grudem, he understood something really powerful. As that began, his soul began to shift. And that it began to affect him. And he wrote down in his journal a few attributes of his character that when I read them, I had to stop whatever I was doing for about 30 minutes. Because I read them and I go, oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. How are we doing spiritually? According to Dr. Grudem, this was some things that he experienced personally in his own life. And I'm gonna read a list of things and I'm not calling anybody out, not in this room, because you're too close to me, you can hurt me and nobody online as well. I'm not calling anybody out because this is me as well. So I'm gonna read a few statements that he wrote about himself because he had been drifting away from spending time with God. And I just want you, you can close your eyes if you want to, you don't have to but I just want you to listen to these words and see if any of them reflect you and you go, ah, maybe. You ready? It goes like this. This is what he wrote about himself. Pride. Talking about myself a lot. Inwardly hoping people would praise me. Lack of love for friends. Irritability. A general inward feeling of unease, self-reliance, no peace. How do we spend God? How do we transform, let God transform us? We spend time with him. I'm reading this book called Sacred Pathways, which that story is from, and it's by an author. And he says that quite often we're, we're told there's a certain way to connect with God, but actually we're all different people. Right? Some of you are listening right now, and that's enough to learn from. You're an auditory learner, right? And then others of you are listening and watching, but you have to write down some notes because you have to physically engage. Or maybe you're going to go back and read the scripture. You're a different learner. You, some of us in the room and online are introverts, and being with people drains us. And then some of you are like me, an extrovert, and every life, every day is a party around people because you wake up but everybody's different. So shouldn't it make sense that when the church says, and maybe you've learned and you've shied away from that, a quiet time looks like going into a cold area of your house that's dark and quiet where nobody's up because it's 3 a.m. And you read your Bible and you journal and you do those things. So many people have been told that's the way to have a quiet time. And I'm telling you what, if that's you, that's amazing. You should keep it up. Journaling, praying, reading the scriptures at a time that wakes you up and gets you going. God bless you, that's huge. But there's so many people who don't do that because that's not them. That's not a path or a pattern that they're gonna have in their lives. And it's not necessarily how I do it. There's different ways some people connect with God by being outside, walking among nature, admiring what he has and talking to him. 
And then some people uh, uh, do it through service and on and on. And there's lots of different ways. The key is not to get stuck and think, if I don't do it the one way I've been told to do it, I can't do it. I can't do that. There are many different kinds of people. So if we can't do it the way we've been told to do it, we just don't do it. We don't fit the mold. We don't take time to read the Bible or spend time praying or listening to God. And again, if you're somebody who hears me saying about the traditional quiet time, I am not knocking it. If you are, if that's a rhythm you have in your life, I love you. (laughs) I'm so thankful for people like you. You keep the rest of us sane. And if not, and you don't have a rhythm going in your life of praying to God and spending time, then can I offer you a little help? Is this okay? It can be in the morning. It can be at your break at work. It can be nap time for the kids. It can be just before you go to bed and it requires just a little time. And it's just two things, okay? This is just a starter package. This isn't the end, but this is if you don't have some kind of rhythm going in your life right now, where when somebody says, how are you doing spiritually? You don't have a good answer. You say, well, I think I'm okay. Maybe you can do these two things and it would just help you just this week, just these two Little things. One requires an action and the other just requires focus. And these are just a start. So once you get in a pattern of doing these things, dig deeper. But for those of us who are feeling the need for new life, new transformation, man, if that's you, if that's you online right now, you feel like I'm a little dead inside and I didn't even recognize it. There are options and there is a way you can create a new rhythm or a new habit. Now, scientific studies have said that it takes 18 days to create a new habit. Those same scientific studies have also said it takes 254 days to form a habit. So if you don't form this quickly, give yourself a little bit of grace. It can take a while. You just keep at it. The first one, the action is pretty simple. I would like for you, are you ready? To choose one person each day and show them with your actions that you love them. One person each day and show them with your actions that you love them. Now this doesn't have to be, I bought a house for them. It doesn't have to be, I fed 5,000 with bread and fish. I'm not asking you to be Jesus. I'm saying one person every day, show them that you love them with your actions. So that may look like a text message. Hey, I've been thinking about you. I prayed for you today. I just want you to know your love. Are you kidding me? Out of nowhere, that makes people light up. Maybe it's an email to a coworker. Hey, I noticed all these great things you're doing on a project. I just want to let you know you're seen. I care about you. And if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Love them with your actions. Maybe you're paying for the coffee of the person behind you. Or maybe you're in the drive through line at Burgerville, USA, the most pricey burger joint I've ever been to and I still love. And you hope that there's not a family of eight behind you, but you pay for their food. Maybe. Choose one person. doesn't have to be somebody you know. And just go out of your way to physically love them. It doesn't have to be incredible. But maybe, maybe it might just do something. And you do this, and I guarantee, I'm standing here to tell you, you do this every day. I guarantee with no question in my mind or my heart that it will begin to transform your life. It will begin to transform your life because my friends, it's not karma. 
It's not I do good and good things happen to me. The way God intended it is to love others well. And when that happens, that creates what? Transformation. So the second one, would you do something for me right now? I didn't bring mine. I totally forgot. But you have a cell phone right now, don't you? I see some cell phones in the room. You have a cell phone online. Would you take the cell phone out, just kind of hold it up? If you're in the room here, would you kind of just honestly, the pastor is asking you to grab your cell phone. Don't turn it off mute. You know, you can still have it. Have it right here, please. If you're home, I know you're saying this guy keeps asking me to do a lot, but I'm telling you, it's going to be big. Grab your phone. Go find it. Now you've got it. Now put it in front of you and look at it for a second, if you wouldn't mind. And maybe your beautiful face unlocks that screen. I don't know what series you have. Or maybe it's a number, but open it up, please. Would you just open it up? Now I'm going to ask you to do one more thing here. I'm going to ask you to open up one of two apps. You probably set an alarm on this phone. It's probably your alarm clock in the morning. So whether you're at home or you're watching around or you're in the room, would you just open up your alarm app or your calendar app? Your alarm app or your calendar app. If you don't have a regular rhythm of figuring out time to spend with Jesus, just open it up. You're going to open it up. You're going to open up that alarm and the calendar or the calendar. And you're going to find 10 minutes in there. And I just want you to set an alarm for just 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes. So you're going to be loving somebody purposefully every day, even in just a small way. And then you're going to purposefully spend 10 minutes with God. And you're going to take that little bit of time and you're going to pray and you may read some scripture. And sometimes I pray out loud. If you see me walking around in the church parking lot and I'm talking, I'm talking to God. I'm just talking out loud because it makes sense to me. Other people may think I'm crazy, but it just makes sense to me. And then you listen. You ever been in a conversation with somebody who just talks for like five minutes and then goes, well, that was great, bye, and leaves? Never once asks you a question, never once waits to listen. Take some time to just listen. And then I believe God will begin speaking to you. And for some of you who are listening right now, you say, God speaks to you? What kind of a cuckoo nut are you? And some of you know what I mean. We label it as intuition or the feeling in your gut. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, let me tell you this right now, that is the Holy Spirit talking to you. That little nudge, the person that comes to mind, the conviction that comes to your heart, when you pray and then you listen, you feel something, you sense something, pull, push into that. Push into that. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you. Spending time like this each day will grow your love for God and your relationship with him. You will hear him. So two, think, two simple things to do each day. To increase your love for God and others, spend 10 minutes a day with him and love someone around you with your actions. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were and how to sum them all up, I, I, I bet you know this already. He said this, ready? And say it with me if you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You want to experience real transformation, real peace, real patience, real kindness, real love. You want to experience something better than this life has to offer by just being a good person. My friends, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God. Just spend some time doing it. And this is not a message where I'm saying you are not doing it and you are doing poorly. This is an encouragement for me, even in this time, I'm looking at this. I'm going, how can I love somebody around me? 
How can I do that? Husbands, it may, it may just even look like, and this is going to be crazy. It's going to be insane, husbands, because you're going to think about this and you're going to go, there's no way. That's silly. There's no way this is going to happen. There's no way I can accomplish this. But if you are a married man, you're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do this one thing just once. I actually didn't do it this morning. I felt super convicted about it. So sorry, Joanna. I know she's watching. But you wake up and you do this crazy thing. You get out of bed, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But then you go back and you make the bed. Who does that? You're just going to get back into it. But guess what? Your wife is going to love you for it. These things don't have to be big. They can be little. But why does it matter if we do this or not? What difference does it make if I'm spiritually healthy on the inside? Oh, friends, hear this. If somebody offers you a gooey, warm chocolate chip cookie, fresh out of the oven, warm enough to eat, but not too hot to burn your tongue. When they say, oh, this looks like a good cookie. You can have this cookie. Or you can have this slice of a dill pickle. Don't ever choose the dill pickle. Don't ever do it. And if you're one of those weirdos who hates cookies and loves pickles, I'm sorry. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. At the end of your life and at the end of my life, the only thing we'll, that will live on is the impact we have had on others. And you can spend your time here on earth making ripples in the lives of those around you that will last for an eternity because of the love of Christ that is growing inside of you, or you can spend your time binge-watching Netflix. Which one is going to matter in the end? Why does it matter if we're spiritually healthy? Because people around us need us to be spiritually healthy. Our families need us. Our churches need us. Our community needs us. Our nation needs us. Why does it matter? Because God is in the business of life transformation and you can either join him in this grand adventure or you can be a bystander, never getting in the game, standing out in the field like a fig tree with leaves and no fruit underneath, not impacting the stranger, not impacting the person coming by who needs something. I'd rather see where God can take me on this adventure and bring as many people along with me as I can. How about you? And if you're like me and many others watching online today, there have been times when we have missed the part where Jesus says to be remaining in him. We've neglected our relationship with him. And maybe you've been a long time Christian and you just need a nudge this week. A nudge this week to just reset a little bit. Spend 10 minutes a day. Love somebody intentionally. May this, I pray, I really pray for the communities of Monmouth and Dallas and Independence and Salem and Corvallis and McMinnville and the entire Willamette Valley. I pray this is our nudge, friends, because the difference of a spiritually healthy church is one that is alive and bears fruit. And some of you are maybe here or maybe you're watching online and you're just checking out church. You're saying, I'm kind of new to this church thing. My wife took me, my girlfriend took me, my husband took me. I just wandered in. I don't quite know what this is all about. And you're, you're kind of luck coming to love this church. You're at home in your robe, drinking your coffee. And I'm so glad that you're joining us. And, you're, and you're, you're sitting there and you're going, I like this church. I like Pastor Sean. He's not all bad. 
Why are you guys laughing at that? He's not all bad. I like him. I like the people, even though they look a little weird. It's okay. I'm kind of learning what this thing about is church. And I'm here to tell you, friends, I am so thankful that you have made a decision to be a part of a church like this or even just be intrigued or explore. But if you're in the room right now or you're joining us online and you don't know about Jesus, the church, it doesn't make much sense without Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again from the dead, proving that he was God. And then even better, just to prove that, he walked with people and talked with people after he was dead. He was raised to life. And the Bible very clearly says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So if you're here and you're watching and you're saying, I'm intrigued, I don't quite know what this is all about, but this Jesus guy sounds interesting. And even though he goes around cursing fig trees, I understand the lesson he has for us. If that's you for the first time, I know there's a way to connect here. I mean, you have a connection card in this room and there's a connection card online. You can fill that out. The link's gonna be down below. You can fill out that connection card and guess what? Somebody's gonna get a hold of you and say, I wanna talk to you more about a life-changing, transformational relationship with Jesus. And I thank God that we're a part of a church here today that cares about people who don't yet know Jesus, yeah? Because Jesus brings transformation. I hope, I hope friends, that you didn't just pick up your cell phone and think about it. I hope that if you didn't pick it up now that you don't pick it up later and go, oh man, I did not set that alarm. I feel really guilty about that. Pastor said I should have done that. I hope you understand that I'm inviting you into something much better than a rote ritual. I'm inviting you into something that is life-giving life-changing. Wherever you're watching right now, I want you to know you've never responded to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You can. And today, if you're saying, you know what, this hits me when, I, when you were reading the list with Dr. Grudem, what's happening? I, some of those words were in my heart. I want you to know that today, this is not a message of shame. This is a message of hope. There's a way out. And there's a starting point. You may not use my starting point, but we start somewhere. So friends, will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? God, help us to be a people who are more patient, more kind, more loving, and more generous. And may time with you be the catalyzing agent that produces good fruit in us. Thank you, God. You're a good God. Everybody said, amen. Friends, in just a minute, we're going to be singing some songs in response. We're going to be taking communion and remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. But at our church, we have a, a tradition where the person speaking speaks a blessing over the people. Not a summary of the message, but a blessing, a pastoral blessing. And so at our church, we ask people to hold their hands out like this as a physical response that they're receiving this blessing. So you don't have to, but if you would, would you hold your hands out just like this? I want to press a blessing. And if you're at home right now, if you just put out your hands, I'd like to say a blessing to you today. And we're going to continue on in worship. Friends, may you truly understand God's goodness today. May you live an incredibly blessed life by truly learning to remain in him. And may you be the tree that bears fruit and may God bless everyone around you for it. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.